This is the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Peace. <laughs> yes, and we're back again on the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Boy, it, it took us a little bit of time to get this episode up, but you know what? We are up, we are live, and we are broadcasting to the World Wide Web. And once again, this is Rabbit Hole Podcast. Today, we are going to talk to someone in traditional Chinese medicine. You know those guys that, you know, do the acupuncture. You know, they, they, you know, they, they make you well. They practice that Eastern medicine. Um, today, we're going to go ahead and talk to a gentleman by the name of Chris Randall. He's a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. Um, and we're going to go ahead and give him a call, bring him on the line. And, you know, let's, let's go ahead and do this. Boy, I'm excited because really I thought that this this podcast, this recording was going to be a plus. We had some technical difficulties, but um, you know what? We overcame and now we are we're about to interview. So please hold on with me as we go ahead and locate Chris and bring him on the line. Um, so for everybody who's interested in being part of the Rabbit Hole podcast, go ahead and reach me directly at Shane Z, like Zulu, the number one at hotmail.com. And we can go ahead and, you know, bring you into the mix. We can bring you into the mix. We're using all of the technology that Blog Talk Radio has to uh, make these podcasts happen. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead and dial Chris in. Hello? Ah, there you go, Chris. Doing? Oh, good. Look at that. It worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. And right now, Chris, we're we're live and direct on the internet. I know that you're actually traveling from Central Valley uh, back up to the East Bay of Northern California. Um, how's it going today? Going great. Good, lovely yeah. drive. It, it is, man. Are you on uh, the five right now? Ninety nine, one hundred one. Uh, yep, ninety nine. Okay, okay. Ninety nine, past Modesto now, apparently. Oh yeah, so so you're getting closer and closer. So Chris, right? Um, you know, I've been talking to you about this interview for quite a long time you know when I was kind of conceptualizing it trying to put all of the pieces together I'm kind of going you know um, you know trying to really try to envision what I kind of foresaw um, for my podcast and this platform that we call the rabbit hole and as I described to you previously that the whole concept of the rabbit hole podcast is to talk up talk to African-American professionals um, who have very right. cool job, right? You have your own businesses, you you're directors, your owner of companies, you, you, you're doing great things um, in your careers as well as in the community. And I wanted to interview you because I find what you do in the community community is extremely fascinating. And what Chris people, what, what Chris, so that the Chris uh, listeners know, Chris is a, is, would you consider yourself like a certified traditional Chinese medicine practitioner? Is that is that the formal title? What what do they what do they call well, individuals like yourself? 
well, we, we, we say different things, but we say Chinese medicine doctor or um, holistic medicine practitioner or uh, the, the technical title, the licensure, is called licensed acupuncturist. But that's the reason I don't tend to say that is because that limits what we do. That limits the idea of what it is that we do because it's much more than just acupuncture. Acupuncture is one of the modalities. But uh, the, the easy way for people to understand it is simply to say that acupuncturists and, and people then, they, they, they get an idea, even if they don't understand the, the full scope of it, which is okay. That comes to light as, as time goes on. Right. And, and you know what? I was one of those individuals when I first met you uh, that had a very limited understanding of what, you know, you know, that that's all I basically knew as a acupuncturist was a guy that found pressure points or knew about pressure points on the body and stick those fine little thin needles into your skin. Um, but after kind of after going through a lot of your treatments, I realized that it is definitely much more than that. Uh, I, I like to consider you a healer. Um, because, you know, there's been situations where I've had, you know, had uh, surgeries on a knee or um, muscle tightness and I come in to see Chris and you know what, I'm walking out like I'm a brand new man, at least uh, three inches taller than I was when I originally walked in. So, Chris, tell us how you're very much welcome. How did you get into traditional Chinese medicine, this Eastern medicine that's what, over like six, seven thousand years old? Well, that's an interesting question, both parts of that, what you just said. Um, it is very old. The oldest writing that we have for this, for Chinese medicine, is 3,000 years old. Um, the book, anyway, that we use, the textbook, is 3,000 years old. But the, the oldest um, writing that happened on a, on a wall in someone's uh, it was a, a Lord's uh, burial burial site had acupuncture or Chinese medicine writing on the wall, and that's 5,000 years old. But we've mm. since discovered things that are much, much, much older than that. So it's not hasn't been writing per se. It hasn't been um, hasn't been letters or words, as it were. It's been. Uh, pictograms or uh, skulls, basically, bones that have acupuncture points that are written on them, that are, that are detailed on them, so, mm -hmm. uh, which have been used as teaching tools and uh, for, um, for the one idea is that they were used for people in the afterlife where they would have a, um, a guide for their health in the afterlife. Um, and that's been as old as the, there was one that was found in, it was found in uh, Asia Minor, in, in, somewhere in Turkey. Um, and then there was another one that was found in the, the central Rift Valley um, in Africa, going from um, Syria down to Tanzania, so just north of South Africa. Um, and that's uh, that's important because um, um, because that tells us 
just how old it really is. Yes. Uh, because people, humans didn't actually leave Africa uh, until the, the, the great migration out of Africa of humanoids was some 1.8 million years ago. So it right. lets us know that, that the, the knowledge of how to use, let's say, nodes or points on the body to heal that body is very, 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 very old. So now, um, that was one part of your question. The other part was, how did I, how did I get into it? And I got into it uh, um, some time ago, 25 years ago. I had been basically, I mean, really my story is, is older than that because um, I had done a lot of martial arts. I, that started because uh, when I was a kid, I have a twin brother, and my twin brother and I used to fight all the time. And we used to fight other kids, too. And as a result, we got kicked out of five kindergartens. And what my yeah, it was, it was crazy. But my parents, fortunately enough for us, they had the, the presence of mind to stick us into some martial arts classes. They figured we had all this energy and we were fighting a lot. We needed to... Um, have some direction, put some direction on that energy. Yes. That's exactly what they did, and, and it was such a, a boon for us. Okay. And and that was when I was uh, seven. And okay. um, fast forward ten years, and I, I, you know, after I'd been doing hard martial arts for for some time, um, I walked into a Tai Chi class. I was looking for something that was uh, some internal martial arts, something that was a little bit more focused on internal power and not just not just musculature. And so I went to a Tai Chi class, and the very first day that I walked in, my Sifu or master teacher said, if you want to learn the martial art, then you also have to learn the healing art. And yeah, that was the... That yeah, that was the beginning. I said, okay. So I started that very day learning the Chinese orthopedic medical massage that they do in the hospitals in China. So I started learning that, that very day when I was 18. And, um, and then after doing that for some time, um, I became the assistant teacher in the class. And uh, so I was the apprentice. And one day, probably six or seven years later, a woman walks into class, woman who was paralyzed. She's been paralyzed for seven years. Okay. And it wasn't until she had been doing this, so she came to the Tai Chi class, and she did as much as she could do from the back of class. She obviously couldn't get up and, and do form as much as she wanted to. I see. But she sat in her, yeah, in her, uh, her wheelchair in the back. And then my teacher started working on her, doing this orthopedic medical massage called Twin Up. Um, mm. Within three months, she could feel her leg again, which had been paralyzed from MS for seven years. And within a year, she was walking again. And within two years, she was walking without a cane. So for me, as the apprentice, watching this happen was fairly phenomenal. Um, and I had been thinking that I was going to go into Western medicine, but after watching this happen and seeing that she wasn't having uh, great progress with her Western, with the Western approach through the University of Chicago Hospital, 
which mm-hmm. is a, an amazing hospital. Yeah. Um, I said, okay, then I have to learn this medicine. So that started my my path really down the um, the holistic uh, medicine path. Um, so although I started it that first day in class, I really realized that my path was to learn the herbs and learn the needles. And I had already been doing the orthopedic medical work, medical massage, and I've already been doing the uh, the nutrition therapy and the exercise therapy, but I wanted to learn the whole system. And so I began looking for Chinese medicine school, and now here I am today. Now here you are today, man. And let me just say that, man, that, that story is very interesting. It, it really seems that it was basically destiny, and, and, and that's basically like one of the themes that I'm consistently catching throughout all of my podcast for individuals who's who have these great jobs and they have this passion for what they do they you know it it wasn't something that they kind of fell into or anything like that it was something that was kind of that kind of like chose them right some kind of universal force was just there and kind of just pulled them right along and then, like you said, like 20 years later, there you guys are still practicing and, and thoroughly enjoying what you're doing. Is there a particular type of uh, educational type of background that you need to have or, or have gone through to become a um, traditional Chinese medicine? Yes, there is. You have to... The, the, the prerequisites to going into Chinese medicine school, which is a, it's a four-year master's program, um, and the, the, the prerequisites are the same as they are for uh, Western medical school, um, with the, the exception of organic chemistry and the addition of Chinese language, so simplified Chinese and medical Chinese. So you have to do a little bit of, uh, language memorization, which is one of the probably the hardest part, learning the Chinese. But um, but the prereqs are the same, so that means you have to go through all of the biology and physics and math and uh, psychology and several other things. Um, but I, I already had those things because when I went into college, I was a physics major. Okay. So. Um, so for me, the thing that I often will tell people, I, I, I get asked that question a lot because I go and do talks to students on to schools in, in Oakland on career day. They always want to know, how do, you, how do you get into this? How does one get into this and what do you need to do? Um, and I tell them, well, I started out as a physics major and then I... I transferred, I became a comparative religions major, and I took my science and my mysticism and mixed them together, and now, poof, Chinese medicine. So, it's my, it's my, <laughs> my joke. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a pretty good joke right there, Chris, let me just say. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, because I, I think it is an interesting fact that you are an African-American from Chicago who's actually practicing traditional Chinese medicine. Um, you know, I, I, I know I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, of course, Asian, Asian uh, people of Asian descent or 
a lot of Europeans or, you know, uh, but I, I think you're probably right. one of the few African-Americans that I've actually seen or even through my searches on the Internet have, have come across. It, is it, uh, let's see here, what, is, is it easy to be an effective leader being an African-American in traditional Chinese medicine? Well, it it actually um, surprisingly has has its benefit because uh, because there aren't too many of us, and um, we know that. So whenever there's a conference or whenever there's a, a continuing education course or uh, something put together by the by the state board, um, and we see another black person in the room. It always we, we always get together and talk about what you know what it's like, um, and being African American and doing this kind of alternative uh, approach to medicine, this holistic approach to medicine, um, allows me um, entree into a lot of things that I might not normally get to do. And the getting out, for example, getting out into the black community and doing workshops and doing um, uh, free clinics and because very, very typically speaking, African-Americans don't go out to, to get acupuncture or don't go out in search of holistic medicine. Um, hmm. Most, people, why is most that? people don't. Most, well, why, why, why it's, is it's, that, no, Chris? it's education. Um, and the, I'll tell you, it's socioeconomic as well. It's not, uh, it's not just about race because what we know is that race is, uh, in this country is indelibly tied to economics, tied to socioeconomics, to class. Yes. Race and yes. class go together. So, um, so when, it, when, the, when classes is lower, when someone is in the lower class or is less educated, then they, um, then they tend to not be uh, privy to the, you know, the information about things that are alternative. Mm-hmm. Usually they're privy only to the things that are, that are typical and in the mainstream. And that would be Western medicine, a clinic yes. going to see the medical doctor, uh, going to see the nurse, um, getting shots, taking pharmaceutical drugs, and so forth. The, the idea of doing something that comes from another country or uh, doesn't involve going to a Western medical clinic um, is foreign to a lot of poor people, no matter what their race. Um, yeah, you know, but, uh, and, and it, and it's interesting that you say that because I know that also in our culture that a lot of, uh, especially the older generations, they might not be so open to actually seeing uh, actual medical doctors because, you know, a lot of these hospitals, they have that whole stigmatism that you normally go there to die. We actually had a a radiologist, I'm sorry, nuclear uh, technologist on last week, and he basically said in himself that a lot of people actually, you know, have that thing in their mind that you go to hospitals to die. And I know that's basically, you know, that's really on the front of a lot of, uh, you know, you know, African-Americans minds too. Why should I go to the 
the doctor because it can only get worse. So let me go ahead and just try to deal with it here through, you know, our home remedies and, you know, things that's been passed through generations to generations. It seems like right. something like Eastern medicine, especially specifically acupuncture and, you know, the the type of healings that you guys do that we would be interested in that type of, uh, you, you know, health care. And, and it's even yeah. better that you as a practitioner, like you mentioned, actually go out into the community and do free work workshops. Um, as a matter of fact, that's how I actually met you, um, you know, yeah. supporting one of our good friends at, at their at their gym. And you're over there. Yeah. You were uh, promoting, um, you know, vitamins and other other health care type of things. And we began talking and then also it came out, you know what, I also do acupuncture. And my wife and I, we were sitting right there like, you know what, man, I got this tight neck because we're we're lifting all these weights or we're running, our lower back is hurting. You like basically say, hey, come check us out. What kind of, you know, you got insurance or if you don't have insurance, we have a uh, Yeah, right, right. So, you know, we'll work with you, but come in and let, let, let me check you out. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's great that you're in the community doing that. So when you're yep. out in the community, are folks receptive? Are, are African-Americans, when they see you, you know, engage and conversate about what you're doing? Um, yeah, they are. They are interested. And uh, and I personally have uh, a large number of African-American patients myself. Yes. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of African-American patients come for exactly that reason, because they you know, see another African-American who's practicing something that they've been interested in, but haven't uh, taken the step to, to do that thing, um, to experience it. And so, now, uh, and so now they find someone and, you know, they see me on my website or out at a, out at a community health fair and decide to come in and give it a try. And then they love it so much that they continue. And I have uh, a, a large portion of my patient load is African-American. So um, I'm pretty thankful to be able to do that, to be able to take this kind of very old, old medicine and, uh, and bring it to the people who could benefit from something that is very preventative and doesn't, it's not a, it's not simply what we call uh, allopathic medicine, which is uh, medicine that works um, on problems that are already existent and trying to just ameliorate um, pain or something like that. But acupuncture and, and holistic medicine uh, does much more than that. So prevention is, is the key, and that's what I always tell people. So yes. um, getting out into the, to the community and saying, all right, look, this, uh, I can help you with X, Y, Z, but the truth is what you do every day makes much more of a difference in terms of your health than what I would do um, once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, whatever the, yes. uh, the frequency is for them. So, um, so it's education on that level because what we tend to think growing up in this country is that you simply do what your medical doctor tells you to do, and um, 
almost always that, uh, you know, take this, you know, come, only come in when you're in pain and then take these pharmaceuticals to get rid of that pain or to get rid of uh, the symptomology as opposed to saying, I'm going to go in because I want to be healthy, because I want to take care of my health and wellness. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we, though, we, uh, though we say that we have a health care system, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what many have, have properly uh, renamed it um, a disease management system. So people only go in when they're sick or when they have a disease or when something or when they're in pain and manage that disease or manage that uh, pain or broken bone or whatever it might be, as opposed to um, looking at it from the other side, which is let me prevent this thing from happening by taking care of my, my diet, my nutrition, yeah. my exercise, my um, sleep, my... Uh, my, my, how I deal with my stress, my um, prayer or meditation or right. breathing exercises, whatever it might be. These are, this right. is all part and parcel to, to health and wellness as opposed to allopathic um, disease management, as it were. So when I get out into the community, to the black community, I'm doing much more than just talking about what it is that I can do. I always talk to people about what they can do for self and not just what I can do for them. So yeah, because um, it's it's number one. I I always look at healthcare as a partnership between the person and the the practitioner, the doctor, the nurse or whoever it is. Right. As as long as I'm doing my part, and they're doing their part, it you know, the outcome would be a lot better as opposed to me expecting for the doctor to go ahead and heal me, right? For for example, uh, when I was doing my rehabilitation for my knee, I had uh, surgery on my right knee uh, probably about, eh, I guess, in June of last year sometime. And by the time I was ready to go to the physical therapist, um, you know, when you're in physical therapists, they, when you're in physical therapy, they actually give you like a series of exercises, depending on, you know, what, what stage you are in, in your rehabilitation. And if you, if, if I was to basically go off of what, if I actually depended on just doing the exercises during that time, um, while I was at the PT office and not do anything outside of that. I couldn't even believe in my mind that I would be able to heal at the rate that I'm healing unless I go to the PT special therapist. They go ahead and show me how to do these exercises. And then, you know what, when I get home, I'm practicing, I'm doing these exercises, you know, every couple hours I'm elevated. I'm, you know, trying to get full rotation. I'm doing the exercises that they're giving me so that the next time I go in to see that, therapist, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move to the next level or they can actually see that I'm getting better. It goes hand in hand. It, it just doesn't go one way. And I, I definitely appreciate that uh, approach, um, the, the partnership in, in health care. And I was doing a little bit of research. And just for those of you who are listening to the Rabbit Hole podcast, we're talking to Chris Randall, who's a traditional uh, Chinese medicine doctor. Um, and and some yeah. some 
some some some folks, I guess, from what I'm looking at here, a lot of folks will actually come in to see you for, you know, if they had, you know, allergies, Alzheimer's, anxiety is very beneficial for asthma, bedwetting, bronchitis, cancer, cerebral palsy, children's health, depression, epilepsy, fibromyalgia, and infertility, insomnia, menopause, men's health. Uh, that article that I actually found here on the NCCA OM, which is the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, kind of kind of has a list of probably two or three dozens um, um, of of how acupuncture can actually help people with certain type of um, conditions. Right. Yeah, and that that list that you're reading from. Yes. Uh, is on the NCCAOM website, but that list actually comes from the WHL, the World Health Organization. Yes. So it is essentially validating uh, what it is we do and a lot of the, the conditions and the symptomology that we are able to quote-unquote treat. So though I, I heard you say cancer, and I do have a lot of cancer patients. We yes. don't, we, 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 we never quote-unquote, treat cancer. We always treat the, the, the side effects of cancer therapy, though, um, though we, we treat and help many, many cancer patients, and yes. they have, you know, they have other, other benefits. But, uh, but that list uh, does come from the WHO, and it's on their website, on the government website as well. Yes, and all of the articles that's within each of these sections, they're all peer-reviewed. Um, they've actually been part of some kind of uh, study um, and that actually shows that uh, that there are benefits of acupuncture um, when you know. Beside you know, um, when when you look at both the, the the Western medicine and Eastern medicine, because I was also doing some research, Chris, and I'm sure you may have gotten this back probably earlier on that um you know a, a lot of a lot of medical doctors they were saying that that uh, it's really a placebo effect um this acupuncture stuff but now with sites like these that's actually showing that now uh, you know medical doctors actually really vouching and there's actually being studies behind a lot of this they're actually showing the benefits of Chinese, uh, traditional chinese medicine here Right, right. And there are many, um, frankly, uh, medical doctors who are now practicing acupuncture as well in their practices. And there's a, there's, uh, a whole host of MDs who do um, what's called medical acupuncture, and they study it from an MD who himself studied with, uh, with a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. And mm -hmm. he now teaches classes. He teaches MDs, certifies MDs, so they get certified in uh, they get certified in what's called medical acupuncture. So, mm -hmm. um, which means acupuncture that is practiced by a medical doctor, uh, and and that is awesome. And they do it at uh, it's taught in Berkeley and it's taught down at uh, at UCLA. Or is it USC? UCLA, I think. And at the okay. UCLA hospital. And at Harvard, actually, in fact. They have a, they have a program for the, um, 
for the for the Western medical school students. So they, they teach acupuncture to, to them at Harvard, Harvard Med School. Man, that, that's great. What resources, Chris, do you use to really stay on top of, um, you know, you, you know, your field? You know, what what trends there are or are there really trends or or like you said, there's been um, documentation dating back, you know, almost a million years about this type of um, health care. Um, how, how do you stay abreast of every, everything? You know what? It's uh, it's hard to do in this kind of in this kind of field in this kind of medicine, um, because there is just so much because it is just so old. I mean, it's so old. I mean, older than any other system of medicine that we know of in the world. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, it's hard to know everything. In fact. I tell people, they say, oh, wow, your medical school is four years? I say, yeah, four years is, is a drop in the bucket. That's not a lot of time at all, given the, the history of this medicine. So, mm. uh, so we have to do continuing education courses, uh, and I go, and which I do happily. I love to learn. But I'll tell you, um, one of the things that I, the, the ways, that I learn the most is through treating patients. So the more patients that I treat and the more variety of patients that I treat, um, mm -hmm. it teaches me in a, in a different way than just learning from a book. And that's true for, for any healthcare provider, um, right. uh, medical doctors, nurses, osteopaths, anybody, they're going to learn more from the patients than they do from the books. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, unless, of course, their position is one of simply um, prescribing uh, pharmaceutical drugs. If a medical doctor does that, if that's the main form of their practice, then, then they will learn more from books because you have to learn from books about what, what pharmaceutical drugs do and what right. the, who to prescribe it to. Um, but... You learn so much more from the patients when you're actually touching the patient, uh, when yeah. part of your therapy is about touching them. So, uh, so I learn tremendously. And I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, you know, teaching, uh, or I mean, uh, so much of what I'm doing is teaching. Uh, it, it is education. Yes. Because we're talking about nutrition and talking about exercise and so forth, not just about... Mm -hmm sticking the needles in or prescribing the herbs. But, um, but I work on the Golden State Warriors. I'm the team acupuncturist for the, for the number one basketball team in America right now. Um, they and are on fire. These they are on fire. They are not unstoppable, but close to it. Uh, and and so, so are you saying right now, Chris, live – for the entire world to hear that you're part of that equation that is putting the that that have the Golden State Warriors at the top of their very game right now, part of the 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 healthcare, part of the real rehabilitation, part of the PT, part of the support team. You're you're part of that that team there, right? Absolutely, part of the team. 
And that's that the key. Awesome. People, will, I, I mean, my joke is <laughs> my joke is always that they're number one because of the acupuncture. But of course, that's not true. Um, the yeah, truth is that I'm just a part. I mean, it's a component for sure. Yes. But you, but it's not the it's not the only thing. The other thing that I do with the Golden State Warriors is um, nutrition. I do nutritional testing. This is something that I do in a lot of different venues. Um, in, in, which uh, I'll, I'll talk about that more in a bit. But the um, technology. But, yes, that's right. But mm-hmm. uh, but testing the players allows for them to see where they are in terms of their own nutritional health, and then uh, make a determination of what they can do about it. Now, mm-hmm. because of that, because of testing. All of the players, including the coaches, including a lot of the front office staff, uh, we've been able to help uh, with the, the push toward better nutrition for the for the team, for the players. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and and that's exactly what has happened. The Golden State Warriors um, every day they drink uh, very good cold pressed. Um, organic juice, uh, particularly green juices, uh, several different green juices. And, and I've seen it over the past, um, over the past six months, watching Mm -hmm. them get better and better, their nutritional health status improve more and more. And everybody's going up. They have that front bench, that the secondary squad, they they all scoring all A's. Uh, they're not all scoring A's, but they all have improved because they right. all used to be very low, but they all have improved. And and you can see it in their play. You can see that they're. I mean, they're getting fewer injuries. Their right. uh, their their mental mental clarity is there. Um, I mean, do you see the passing that Stephen Curry does? That's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. The the, the the vision that Andre Iguodala has on the court, excellent. I mean, Clay Thompson, did you see him set an NBA record two weeks ago? Unbelievable. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't mean to get off into basketball talk, but I, I love talking about it. But I, but the reason I brought that up is to say that um, because you asked, how do I stay abreast of all of the the changes uh, in my medicine? And I bring up the Warriors because, um, because as I said, one of the ways I learned, the best way, the most important way, is by working on uh, different patients and different levels of patients. So from the extremely fit, <clears throat> excuse me, athletes, um, professional athletes, uh, to all the way down to uh, morbidly obese cancer patients. I see, I run the whole gamut, and that is how I learn. That is how I see what, what is possible in terms of the medicine that I practice, in terms of this, um, this holistic approach. And it must give you a, give, give you a good feeling inside um, to know that your, your work and, you know, your passion for health care is benefiting so many people, like you said, people who are terminally ill all the way to your elite athletes. You're seeing each level actually progress, um, you know, uh, at, at even higher levels. 
which is um, I, I would feel would be really gratifying for for my own spirit. Yeah, so, so extremely. Kudos to you, Chris. For individuals that's that's listening. Um, and they're interested in becoming a traditional medicine um, practitioner. Um, what what advice would you give to them? What's a good path for people to take? Well, the, the first thing I would do um, is go, and if it sounds at all interesting, would be to go and get a treatment. Go find a practitioner and get a treatment, and see what it feels like to your body. Um, um, and that means not, as I said, not just going to get an acupuncture session, but, um, but having a, a, a teaching, a tutorial, uh, a lot of what I do is education is teaching people about what they can do themselves for their own bodies on a daily basis. Just like you said, the, the PT does, the physical therapist does, um, and uh, teaching about nutrition and uh, and various other things, how to how to handle stress and so forth. Um, but go and get a session. Go and see what the acupuncture feels like, and see how it feels to make the dietary recommendations and changes that the practitioner would recommend, and um, and then and then um, proceed forward. Now, the way to proceed forward is to, you know, start taking the, the prerequisites if you don't already have a science background to take those, those prereqs. And you can do that easily. And, in fact, it's a, a very good way to do it, is um, at community colleges. Um, right. Even even at the the CSU, the California State University system. Yes. I mean, there are so many good professors and so many good courses, science courses. Yeah. Uh, so taking a great physics class and chemistry and um, anatomy, physiology, biology. Uh, the um, I don't even remember what the math requirement was um, uh, because I already had it. Uh, and and um, and a few other things, psychology, and I, I don't remember all the prereqs. But you have to have the prereqs in order to get in uh, to the master's program. So, um, but the number one thing is to experience it first for yourself. So yeah, and, uh, and, and it's nothing like you would expect it to be. You know, I've been going through several several sessions with you, maybe even maybe a few dozen. There wasn't ever oh, yeah. a time where I was in excruciating pain. Yeah, so, it works. Um, so I, I would definitely advise anyone who's listening to this, definitely find someone who's certified, definitely someone who's passionate about this stuff, um, to definitely give it give it a try as opposed to going to your, your medical doctor and asking for, you know, those scheduled twos or threes to, uh, you know, help you with depression or help you with sleep. Before you before you try that, also give consideration to, you know, Eastern medicine as well. Um, find, you know, I think there's acupuncture is just about in every major city there is in America. Um, definitely give them a shout, and especially if you're in, you know, the East Bay or, you know, uh, the San Francisco Bay area, give Chris a uh, look up. 
Chris, let me ask you one question here. Um, at what point in your career did you find your voice in um, traditional Chinese medicine? Hmm. That is a, a very good question. Um, I would say that I am that I that that is a process, and I continue to find my voice. It's not. I, I wouldn't say that it's a that it's a done thing. Um, as I said, I have been involved in in Chinese medicine for 25 years, and it started with going into the first day of my my sifu. My master teacher saying, uh, you have to learn the healing art if you want to learn the martial art. They go together, yin and yang together. So so my voice has been developing over quite some time, a couple decades. And and it's only, it's only been heightened since I actually went to school and have been licensed and, what's more, have been practicing with patience it's made a huge difference and being able to to um to touch uh bodies that i'm working on and whatever it is sports medicine or uh cancer and diabetes and um fertility working a lot with fertility and Hmm. helping couples helping couples to get pregnant and working with IVF and so many different things so I feel like my voice is constantly being developed and uh, and I bring a lot to the table because of my my history in, in martial arts and the my experience of you know well first and foremost seeing that woman start walking again that was the that was the first real eye opener. Uh, yeah, so that, that it's is been pretty profound. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that. Uh, you know, I want to keep going back to my personal. Uh, actually, when I had after I had my surgery on my knee, uh, the first time I came to you after uh, after the surgery, you know, I was in pain. I couldn't really you know get any kind of bends in my my leg. But then after I came through to you you hit me with those cups hit me with those electrodes and you know a hundred a hundred needles and it wasn't painful at all but I I think um you know I did have a moment there where it was something spiritual that just just hit me it wasn't pain but I, I, I don't know man it was a certain kind of energy that just kind of flowed through my body to kind of you know, because it, it it was a pretty intense procedure to actually, you know, have your body your body cut into and, you know, having new ligaments kind of inserted into your body and you know just it, it was pretty, oh, yeah. pretty uh, big deal for me and and I kind of underestimated. But once I actually came to you, we kind of had our conversation and we went through the procedure. And I just I just remember just just feeling good. My body was like kind of just renewed with energy. Um, and then actually like that next day I was able to walk without the crutches. So, you know, if oh, anybody would wow. ever say, yeah, I, I don't know if I even told you this. Um, no, but, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cause remember I came in there, you're like looking at me. I had the big, uh, yeah. brace on, I had the crutches. Um, you know, my wife was outside. She had to drive me everywhere. But then I think I had, I seen you on like a Friday, 
like that Saturday and right. Sunday, I was like, you know what, I got, um, you know, you, you, you know, I got the energy to actually start walking again, slowly but surely. I still had a brace, but I was able to walk, and that was the first time that I was able to walk since having that procedure without crutches. So it it really it really does work, and you know, and I and I feel the the benefits of it. So let me ask you this next question here, Chris. Uh, what strategies do you use to stay relevant in in your field? You kind of touched on it a little earlier that you do conferences. Um, you you continue you continually uh, go to classes. Are there any other strategies that you use to you know stay relevant in your field? You do have your own business in Oakland, California. Yeah. Well, they're they're the the main way. Uh, stay relevant is to get out there and talk to people. So um, what I do is uh, I actually um, I actually have four businesses and so I'm always getting getting out there. So one of my businesses of course is my my private clinic um, which you know which I do a lot of things there and treat a lot of different kinds of patients there, as I said, um, including having a, a low-income clinic where it's low fee, and so people can come and, and pay just $20 and, and get a treatment instead of, you know, who can't afford uh, the, the usual cost of treatment. Um, so there's that. And then I also run a, a program at the East Bay um, Community Colleges where yes. I do... Uh, I I actually run the program of the the acupuncture and massage for the students and and teachers, uh, primarily for the students at the community colleges. And we're expanding that, getting into other schools, into other community colleges in different parts of the state. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, also working with the the Golden State Warriors and... um, and I also work at Highland Hospital. So working at the county hospital has been such an eye-opener because I'm doing um, the first of its kind, a research study uh, about using acupuncture in the ICU, the intensive care unit. Uh, At Highland Hospital, you can imagine the intensive care unit at a county hospital is going to be... uh, pretty intense, no pun intended. Yes. Yes. It is very, very. Um, and the reason, of course, is because that's where all the poor people go, so you're going to see a lot more uh, accidents and gunshots and all different kinds of things. So working in the intensive care unit once a week is um, it's a wonderful experience. So so you, you talk about staying relevant, and that is there are different ways to do that in different fields, but in my right. field, it means um, one of the biggest ways is through integration, integrating Eastern medicine with Western medicine and doing that by partnering with not just with other, other Eastern medicine doctors or, you know, uh, other holistic minded practitioners, but also partnering with, um, with Western medical doctors uh, and, so it's a, the, the way to do it, the way for me to stay relevant. I mean, the truth is, the truth is that, um, 
what they call CAM or CAM is the term that's used in all of the, the studies if you look in the research literature. And what it stands for is complementary and alternative medicine. So um, um, CAM or, you know, acupuncture and oriental medicine or however it's called is growing in popularity and uh, people know much more about it now than they did even just 10 years ago. And for right. sure, more than 20 years ago and 30 years ago. So it's actually growing. So it's becoming easier and easier for me to stay relevant in my field. Um, and it actually is, a, as I said before, it's a benefit for me to be uh, an African-American um, practitioner in the holistic field uh, because I, I'm one of a, a, small, a small pool, a small bucket. Um, which means, which makes it easier for me to get out there and uh, and do things in the community. And I include Highland Hospital, uh, the county hospital, um, in that because uh, so many of the patients are African American or people of color. Mm-hmm. And then it, it it allows for this uh, the, the medicine to be more readily accepted by them if they see somebody that looks like them with the practitioner. So, right. uh, so staying relevant really in the end, I think means learning to bridge the gap between, uh, between preventative medicine, the, the, the wisdom of this ancient, this ancient art, this ancient science, uh, yes. this ancient preventative medicine with the phenomenal, successes and advances of, of Western science and Western medicine, Western technology. So that's where, that's where I find relevance, is, is following that cutting edge, the, the, the intersection between, um, between tradition, this old, old traditional medicine, and uh, the modern breakthroughs. So where do you see um, traditional Chinese medicine in the future? Let's just go ahead and kind of forecast, you know, 100 years from now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I think after having spent a semester in China and studying in the hospitals um, and at the university there, uh, I see traditional Chinese medicine becoming... Uh, part and parcel. So this integrative approach is not only in the in the East. It's not only championed in the East. It's now being championed here by very prominent Western medical doctors. Everybody okay. has heard of An- of Andrew Weil. This uh, uh, everybody has heard of Doctor Oz, and um, there are many other ones. Deepak Chopra, and there are many others. Western medical doctors. Who, who champion and um, really, truly, truly support an integrative approach um, to the medicine and healthcare. So, in a hundred, uh, in a in a hundred years, yes, I see ho- hospitals being actually integrated. So, integrative hospitals that have um, that have both. Uh, ancient and modern medicine together. 
I really do think so. And one of the first steps is what I'm a part of right now, which is this mm -hmm. study. This uh, study is being done by uh, UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, and UC Berkeley. Um, together are funding this research right now that I'm a part of, this cutting-edge research. So we're doing it in the, in the most difficult place, which is the ICU. And then already for four years I've been working in a... Um, in the cancer floor, the oncology floor at the Highland Hospital, and the outpatient clinic, which we have, which is one of a kind in the country, at least in um, uh, in government hospitals, in state-run hospitals. Um, so it's already happening. It's happening. It's happening. And pretty soon there will be an integrative medicine hospital. Chris, would the, the method, would, do you, what do you think if, do you think that the uh, method will still be the same? You know, those 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 small little uh, needles that you guys use. You think that will still exist a hundred years, a thousand years from now, or are there other type of uh, tools that you think they'll use? There are many other tools, but those small, thin stainless steel needles will. I think that's going to last for. A long, long, long time. Um, when, you know, when you think about a thousand, two thousand, five thousand years ago, of course they didn't have those same little stainless steel disposable needles that we use now. They used other things. They used bones, actually, stones, um, stones and bones, um, and and that stuff was that was great then. But this now, I mean, stainless steel is. Um, one of the best things that we can use, frankly, because uh, it is it, it's metal and it conducts electricity, and that's what you want when you're uh, when you're affecting someone's nervous system. You want to uh, you want to stimulate nerve transduction or nerve signals, nerve signaling. You want to stimulate that as much as you can, and Metal is going to be the way to do that. The stainless steel disposable needles are very easy. There's very little. Um, I mean, sometimes there's a, a drop of blood comes out of a point, but because these are are not hypodermic needles, they're not hollow inside. They're what's called filiform. So these mm -hmm. filiform needles, they don't carry. They don't. They don't bear uh, blood-borne pathogens because they're they're, um, they're not hollow inside, so they're neither bringing things inside nor outside. So um, they're, they're, they're very safe. They're very safe. I mean, you don't want to – we don't reuse needles ever, but, right. but they are very safe. So we will – in 100 years, I'm sure we'll still be using – there may be a better metal by then, but it will still be metal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and I like the, the key – Term that you use disposable because you know be, me even going in uh, to see you my first time I always thought like yo, yo do they reuse the needles and you quickly assured <laughs> me that no they don't we don't reuse the, the needles and you know you, you guys have the little red basket where you go ahead and throw them all in and you know I see you kind of taking them out of their packages and you know so it's completely sterile 100% you know, brand new. They're not yep. being 
they're not being reused or recycled. Um, thank goodness. Um, right. We only have a few few minutes here left, Chris. Thanks again for participating in our podcast today. Um, and for everyone who's listening, we're talking to Chris Randall. He's a traditional uh, Chinese medicine doctor. Um, and we're basically talking about his perspective on traditional Chinese medicine. And he's been giving us some great insight. We're going to go ahead and transition yeah. the show. We have a few minutes left, like I just said here. Just some regular questions here and, you know, just something to kind of, you know, kind of loosen our, ourselves up after the conversation here. Um, what's your favorite part of the day, Chris? Um, sunset. Oh, what beautiful, beautiful time of the day, especially here in the Bay Area. And I, I miss the sunsets in Chicago where I'm from. Gorgeous. And I'm driving in the sunset right now, and I'm seeing it way out there over the Bay. In, in, in your next lifetime, you know, especially in, you know, you know a lot of those eastern religions which it sounds like you 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 know follow you know they believe in the concept of being reborn i would i would like to say right. or think here yeah. um, what would you come back as in your next lifetime chris oh. you know that's um that's funny you ask that because um my kids were saw something about reincarnation on TV yesterday and uh, we're asking about what that is, what that means. And I've never thought about what I would come back as. Um, but I would like to think that, uh, you know, that in, in, uh, in religions, in Eastern religions, um, Indian religions, they talk about... Um, you coming back what you come back as is based on is based on how good you are in this life so i'd like to think that i would uh <laughs> that i would come back as something or someone good I, I i try to do good work in this world and be good to people so um so i don't know maybe uh maybe one of those i'd come back as one of those uh really pampered castles that they have over there at the at the taj mahal oh that's hilarious What's your yeah, favorite, I don't know. What's your favorite pastime, Chris? Um, well, I love to I love to sing. I can't do it very well, but boy, I love to do it. It's fun. I do that with my kids. Oh, that's Singing, fun. and I sing in the shower. Yeah, the only <laughs> place that I can get away with it, really. <laughs> uh, do you have you have like the custom mic and all that? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Do you remember Mr. Microphone? Yeah. In the future, uh, what technology from today do you think will still be around? Mm. It is shocking to me to see just how much technology changes so rapidly. Um, but I mean, like, even now, with uh, Apple computers coming out with this, with uh, and I guess it happened in January, there's now a, a watch, a wrist watch that you can use instead of using a phone. Um, you can use it as, 
a computer, a little computer. So phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, so that's really difficult to say. The only thing that I that I think will the things that I think will continue to play a role as far as technology goes is things that are in in healthcare because humans continue to have the same issues that we've had uh, at least since in the industrial revolution. So right. things that things that affect heart disease will still be doing. I mean, now they can do heart uh, triple bypasses uh, without even cutting open the chest just by going through um, the femoral vein or the femoral artery. I mean, amazing. So, um, so we'll still have medical technology that's roughly similar, like ways to, to measure your weight. Let's say that. A scale. Scale, bathroom scale. That'll still be around. Nice. I like that one. I haven't heard that one. Do, do you know what Mars One is? Uh, Mars One is that the that's the rover that was up there? Is that the Mars rover? Close. Oh wait Close. a second! Wait a second! Wait a second! The Mars Mars One is that the thing where they're sending a one way people or one way tickets to Mars to go yes. start a, a, a human um, habitation there? Or yeah. oh my God! Yeah, yeah, that's crazy! Wow. Yeah, yeah. The Mars One will establish a permanent human settlement on Mars. Crews of four will depend will depart every two years, starting in 2024. So they've actually already selected like I guess 100 participants who's currently being trained yeah. um, to go up there and actually you know build you know uh, live on Mars and and really you know create a you know to to settle and create a colony up there. It's it's pretty interesting. You get opportunity. Uh, definitely check out www.mars1.com. Pretty, pretty fascinating on, on that technology. What's your favorite wow. technology or application, Chris? Well, it's got to be the cell phone. I, I'm i telling you, like, um, if uh, I, I, I find myself not being able to, uh, to go anywhere and live without my cell phone, when only ten years ago, I guess I guess I first got a cell phone was in uh, 2002. So, mm -hmm. you know, I lived a long time without a cell phone, and now it seems like I can't live without it. So, communication, a, I guess that's the key. Communication. Uh, do you have a favorite app on your cell phone that you find yourself consistently using? Yeah, unfortunately, it's um, the uh, it's it texting, <laughs> the texting <laughs> application. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I have another but, term for you. Uh, have you ever heard of Afrofuturism? No, <laughs> no, no, pray tell. Uh, you know, you, you know, you you're a very deep thinker. You know, you're a very spiritual guy. You know, can you can you take a crack at it and you know try to decipher what Afrofuturism might be? <laughs> um, well, Afrofuturism maybe uh, when you say that the the first thing that comes to my mind is like uh, the Jackson Five and and Jimi Hendrix in the in the year uh, twenty fifty. 
uh, uh, the, the style of the future. But, um, yeah. I am sure that's not what it means. Afro-futurism. Futurism. Hmm. Um, would that, is that some, uh, does that mean, um, thinking about, um, African-American thought or, or schools of thought in the future? Yes. Bingo. There you go, man. Okay, um, okay. You, you know, it's, it's really about really um, identifying, you know, our culture, um, you know, our artifacts, and really seeing them in the future, right? Because, of course, we all know that there's things like the Mars One where, you know, organizations, they're, you know, trying to settle on, you know, other parts of the the the, the universe. Um but but really um from my perspective at least, um I, I think it's important to for us as African Americans to be able to see ourselves in the future, no matter if it's a thousand years from now, uh, five thousand years from now. Uh we definitely have a place um, you know, in you know in the universe on other planets or here on Earth no matter what shape yep. it is in. So I, I, that's, that's, that's what I get from Afrofuturism is, is, is bring, bringing our culture forward. And not only are we uh, working on, you know, making ourselves better in our communities on earth, in the world right now, but we're also working towards the future for, for, for a better tomorrow, I guess you can say. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Nice, man. So that, that's all that I have for today, Chris. You know, once again, thank you for being a great friend. Thank you for being, being uh, my acupuncturist or my Chinese, uh, uh, <laughs> traditional Chinese medical doctor. Let me tell you, man, you're, you're, you're great at what you do. You're, you, you just innately have this passion and, and love for people and, of course, for practicing um the, the the type of medicine that you you practice and let me tell you every time i leave your office man i always feel better um than i did when i actually arrived there no matter if it's like you know if my energy is low i always leave with my energy extremely high if i have some kind of ailment with the muscle or or something's going on with my knee i always come out just feeling like you know like a brand new person and and it's really about about that experience and how how my body's feeling. I I like to think that I'm very in tune uh, with with myself, and and I, I definitely feel that that difference um, every time I leave one of those sessions. So thank you for for being that guy to actually open my mind up to this this way of medicine, and I, I can't vouch for it enough that it definitely 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 does work. Um, Chris, for those who are listening. Um, how can they reach you or if they if they have been considering um you know your your type of medicine, how would they be able to reach you? They could reach me by telephone, which is five one zero six five four six five zero zero. they could reach me through my website. My email is on my website and the easy way to say that is um, it's ocaclinic.com and the, it's OCA as in Oakland Community Acupuncture so it's ocaclinic.com that's the 
and my, my email is chris at ocaclinic.com. So, Good. very uh, very straightforward way. Absolutely. So, everybody, make sure yeah. you go to www.ocaclinic.com and check out what Chris is doing. As you're saying, he's in the cutting edge of, you know, you know they're kind of in the nucleus right now of this research being done in, you know, really integrating traditional medicine with Eastern style medicine. This, this stuff is not going away anytime soon. It's actually going to grow bigger. And right now is just probably a great time for this type of medicine in the world. I definitely see it, um, you know, moving into the future along with us. Um, can I say, me? can I say, yeah, for you, the last thing I want to say is that thank you so much, Shane, for, um, for thinking highly enough of me to uh, allow me to be on your podcast, something that I know is, uh, is very personal to you. Uh, and it's, so I, I, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're very much welcome, sir. So for everyone who would like to contact me, make sure you reach out to me through our, our, our Facebook fan page, which is of course, facebook.com forward slash, the rabbit hole podcast you can also reach me directly at shane z1 at hotmail.com if you have any questions for me if you have any feedback anything that you would like to add or just let me know please reach out to me i'm all open ears and with that that was another rabbit hole podcast we really appreciate everyone time and for you listening today And as always, be curious of life to discover new experiences and always envision yourself in the future. Peace. Peace. This is the Rabbit Hole Podcast. Peace.